swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads with bandits are catacombs and giant doors protect the chest of stores from legendary items with the dragon bones and iron it's horse. a grand theft of elk scrolls simon's quest with toe and earl rock shoes to ever clue easter eggs and gaming news the potus needs some bad dudes to crash crew like bandicoot all shit a game in english control issues Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, yes y'all. y'all. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is A-Dub. You can find us at control-issues.com. You can also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Subscribe to Control Issues. Rate it. Review it. Give it five stars. Let us know you're out there. Head on over to twitch.tv slash control issues pod if you want to check out some gameplay videos that we update from, you know, time to time every so often. And then also go to Twitter. My control issues is the handle AMC. How you been handling the week? Been good. Been good. We had two weeks off. We uh, missed last week due to surprisingly a super busy Mother's Day weekend unexpectedly. Well, you got two mothers. Yeah, two mothers. And And you're married to a mother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was like a three day weekend of Mother's Day rituals. that was great, but yeah, so we had the miss last week's episode, but we are back now. I'm having a great week, A-Dub. Um, I have some news for what you've been playing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm already knowing I was involved. Yes, um, I played a little, uh, I not played, I watched uh, Mortal Kombat finally. Oh, what'd you yeah. think? Uh, I enjoyed it. It was, um, so it's, Compared to the, uh, you know, the original screen adapt- adaptation of Mortal Kombat that we saw as kids, it's definitely better. Um, the quality is better. I'll say story-wise, you know, things kind of happen a little. Qu- Did you see it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it starts out in, like, that opening scene with, uh, you know, with, with Scorpion. and like, With your boys. Yeah. yeah, with your boys. Like, that That was incredible. And that, like, set the tone. And I was like, all right, this movie's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if I were to critique things, when things picked up, they picked up fast. <laughs> and so, like, just out of nowhere, it's like, we got to learn our abilities. Now we got abilities. Now we're fighting the enemy. It's over. <laughs> like, it all just kind of... <laughs> Like it kind of just happens really quickly, but you know, yeah. I enjoyed it. It's um definitely a step up from where they've been in the past. I'm curious to see where they're gonna go. They kind of gave a hint at you know some some new some new characters that might be added to the classes that you can play as, or at least uh, characters that you can play as um or watch. And so yeah, I enjoyed <laughs> watch it. Us. I, you I cosplay it. as. What'd you What'd you think of the movie? Uh, I stick with my. With my overall assessment, it was a good Mortal Kombat movie, not necessarily a good movie, just as a movie. Uh, Hearing you remark about how quickly everything escalated, it it definitely illuminates a thought I had that I haven't shared yet, which is I feel as much as I didn't enjoy the angle they took where, you know, Shang Tsung and his army are just like, fuck the rules we're taking earth now (laughs) as much as i wasn't with that i wanted to see like i want to see Mortal Kombat. i want to see a tournament and that seemed like what they were preparing for and then 
everything just spins out of control, but that allowed them to move at an accelerated pace, which brought everything to the level it needed to be at, gave you all the origin stories that you needed. And now it's set up to go forward with these, these built up characters and with a proper tournament to adhere to the rules. So yeah, like it's, it definitely hit a lot of the notes that you want Mortal Kombat to hit. I like, I like what they did with the the Mortal Kombat logo. I won't spoil that, even though I spoiled some other stuff. And yeah, man. Overall, it's it's a good first outing. It's a good setup for a sequel, and they definitely left you with a major cliffhanger that I'm looking forward to. So, uh, I believe the actor for Sub Zero was signed on to multiple Mortal Kombat movies if the first one was successful. Mm-hmm. So the plans for a franchise and to build this particular iteration of the Mortal Kombat universe is on the table. Hopefully it got enough support because I would love to see where this goes from here. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it for the most part. And um, the action sequences were awesome. The, uh, the actor that they got for Liu King was the man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Kung Lao was also awesome. He was great. Oh, um, was so good. Yeah. And it, like they worked in like, you know, like the little, the, not even winks and nods, but like the um, like they knew that people who were watching this movie probably played the game, so like they just work in a fatality or a finish him. <laughs> so no wink, no nod, just a yeah. ham fist. <laughs> yeah, it's just like here you go. You probably played the game, so this will. I mean, all they, all we're missing is a toasty. That that will come maybe in the second movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like the actor that they got to play Molina. That yeah, was a yeah. good cast. She was yeah, awesome. Yeah, was a good cast. Yeah. Um, yeah, and what's great is, you know, even the Goro didn't look bad in the original movie, but just with the, um, with, like, the advent of, like, modern, like, innovation, um, as far as, like, what we've seen in, like, movies, what the, what's possible, seeing these, like, CG characters is a lot more pleasant, like, to the eye. And mm-hmm. so they can do a lot more. And, yeah, Goro looked good. Yeah, with uh, what you mentioned, Melina and her her mouth. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. My um, man, Jax. The arms. Yes. The orms. The orms. They became the orms. <laughs> what do you think about the whole explanation of, like, kind of like you have your affinity, and then that's, like, when your powers basically show up? I think that's also that's a perfect that's a perfect explanation for how people in the Mortal Kombat universe get their powers because there is just no backstory whatsoever (laughs) with how that works. So hey, I'll take it. Give me a MacGuffin and let's just keep moving. Yeah, I love it. It's just like laser eye, and it's like all right. (laughs) Now I can use it whenever I want. And that was like the the, the the running joke with him is like, what am I gonna get my powers? <laughs> Anger is your trigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's how's your? They just start clowning his head. You were always a failure. Yeah. You little bitch. That's all it is. Yeah. My week was my week wasn't bad. You know, just finally getting over this mountain of work. So I'm finally getting my free time back. I got to do a couple of things. This weekend, summer Fridays are back in effect, so going to be getting those half days off. I think the first one, we're having a three-day weekend as well. Uh, There's going to be a lot of video game time. Biomutant's coming up, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, Yeah, just just chilling, man. Uh, I'm about one week away from my my second dose of this vaccine. You know, we're 
things are opening back up. The, the vaccinated are being let loose. I'm seeing a lot fewer masks out there. I was in the elevator yesterday. Some dude was talking about going to a party. I was like, hey, I remember parties. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, things are coming back together. We got these consoles. We got these games. And yeah, what you what you've been playing, eh, Doug? What Sweet. I've been playing. I want to know what I've been playing. Uh, <laughs> I turned on Forza Horizon Four for a minute. I had my driving itch, and I prepared myself to be able to scratch that whenever I want. So, cut on Horizon Four for a hot minute. Got some races in. Uh, broke a bunch of signs. Drove on some new roads, tried out some different cars. I'm going to probably go back in and customize one of my Ferraris to make it gold, black rims or something. Uh, turn that off. Fired up Disco Elysium for like a good 15 or 20 minutes. And I can immediately see why it won over so many people and is regarded as one of the best games of 2019. Because the art style is amazing. The writing and the voice acting are out of this world. Uh, being a narrative-driven RPG that has no formal combat or you know systems like that, it's it's a bit of a culture shock for me. Uh, it's it's very point and clicky where you have to go around and you have to look in the environment for things, interact with them. There's skill checks, and it, there's just a lot of things going on in the way in which your your stats are, the classes the classes are and it's it's a lot to get acclimated to so i didn't put too much time into it i'm probably going to start over just to just to do the beginning over and really sink into it but it's it's a game that i feel like i'm going to have to dedicate more time to and really focus on in order to give it the proper attention it deserves so while i put that on the back burner i went back to returnal and yeah man that game did we talk about me? Ultimately, it's been, it's, it's been two weeks. So it's been two weeks. They haven't, oh. they haven't heard about the uh, the triumph. Oh. oh man! Oh yeah, because you were watching the video from when I made it halfway through the game. Yeah. So yeah, at about the jeez, I almost want to say the sixteen hour mark is where I finally beat Biome Three. Got halfway through the game. Um, I would say. At around the 20-hour mark, I beat the fourth biome. And then just on some magical run where I was in the zone, I somehow took down the last two biomes and successfully completed Returnal for the first time. This is when the audience finds out that we didn't record last week because it took you two weeks. You had to quit your job. You couldn't yeah. record any podcasts. <laughs> yeah. It was the only way it was going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, so my completion time came in at a tight 24 hours. I killed almost 2,400 enemies, mm -hmm. died maybe about 20 or 30 times, and mm -hmm. yeah, got the got the first ending. Now, Returnal is my oyster. I can go back into it as I see fit. I have access to all the biomes as, as is necessary in order for me to go ahead and explore them, look for any more collectibles, any more glyphs, any more audio logs, and, you know, just trying to chip and scratch away at that platinum while also going for the true ending of the game. So that was that was a very bittersweet moment for me because on the one hand, I've finally completed the game. But on the other hand, I finally completed the game. It's an experience I didn't want to end. I really like Returnal. I wish it was 
I wish it was an even bigger game, but for what it is and what it offers, there's plenty to go back to. There's plenty of reason to go back to it. It's because that rock solid housemark gameplay is always going to be there. So, you know, whenever I have the itch, I just fire it up for a second or two. I might, I might find something new that I didn't discover before. I might pop a trophy and I'm just going to keep along that cycle until eventually I get that platinum and see that true ending. Um, other than that, I, Took, I took some time. I moved Fallout 4 over to my PlayStation 5 internal storage. Fired that up since that's sitting on the backlog and I'm close to the end of it. So got in there. The initial load is significantly shorter on PlayStation 5. So I was right in there. And then, yeah, man, just playing around. I mean, it's definitely aged, but it's still good old fallout 4 took a while to get acclimated from the to the buttons because i'm used to returnal so i was i was like throwing grenades <laughs> when i didn't want to i was crouching when i thought i was gonna dash <laughs> that kind of shit mm -hmm. but eventually I, I got the hang of it i got back to my hideout i'm at the point now i just got the the vertebird signal grenades so now i can summon a brotherhood vertebird and then use the map to fast travel wherever i gotta go so that's awesome yeah, man, it's I'm going to nick and scratch at that, especially now that I can move freely in that manner. And eventually I want to see the credits there. That's going to be a big game to knock off the backlog. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. So AMC, what have you been playing? What have you what been I, up to? What I've been playing is what I'm going to be playing. I'm going to be playing. Um, yeah, so two weeks uh, as you mentioned in your uh, lead up that you have your second vaccine shot coming, I actually already got mine. Um, I got it yes. actually Wednesday. And the reason why that is significant is I took off work early. I, Marissa oh, and that's I, the story. Yeah. yeah, Marissa, Theo and I, we all went to our vaccine uh, location, which was at Cal State Long Beach. Um, pull into the parking lot. I get a text from, from your boy, A-Dub, saying... Hey, Wario sixty four just just posted this. Now look at it; it's the uh, the PlayStation like link to get into the queue to possibly buy a PlayStation five. And so I'm literally go walking up <laughs> to sign up to get my vaccine. And really? yeah, and immediately I like I say to Marissa, I was like, "Give me your phone." So I with both phones, I get into the queue. <laughs> <laughs> because nice. what's, what's great is you don't have to be logged into your PlayStation account to be into the queue, which means you can have multiple browsers open. I had never tried this in the past, but I was like, oh, well, I have another phone right next to me. So I'm going to sign in with both. Uh, did that. I'm literally holding on to both phones as I'm like talking to the nurse, <laughs> like giving her like my letting her know I have no allergies and all that crap. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, no, I'm good. No, I'm yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> it, it is the worst part is it's doing the countdown like to the, uh, to the opening of the queue as she's talking. And so I'm like kind of not trying to look at my phone while also looking at it just to see like where, like, you know, if it automatically just puts me right into the, the purchase position, then I need to be on top of that. I believe you have like 10 minutes to, you know, to go through the whole process of buying a console. Anyway, so I'm sitting there, I get the shot, we go to our 15 minute waiting area. And then I look at the phones for an update and I see that both phones are in the queue, but my phone only has a 10-minute wait while Marissa's has more than an hour. 
So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like already a good sign, but I've already done this. I can't, I gotta say maybe like five or six times, mm-hmm. uh, and all 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 failed. And so you know, like I'm not getting my hopes up, but I do see that I'm ahead of Marissa's phone. So I'm like, all right, come on, come on, come on. The ten minutes goes down. It's going like a little faster. Mm-hmm. It's going fast enough where I'm now worried. Like, did it all sell out? And so now it's just pushing me forward. Um, but then it goes through my phone clicks over to the other page and i see that it, i have the option to buy a console matter of fact i have an option to buy both consoles um and i went with the uh the all digital um so now all digital huh no no physical backward compatibility for you huh? no physical i pretty much the only games i think i bought maybe the first year of ps4 games or maybe first two years but nothing significant i looked through my my games that i have to see if i would miss any of them if i were to go all digital and none of them were games that i would go back to so at that point i was like i haven't i literally haven't bought a a physical game since then and i I have no plans to and so i was just like you know what i'm going all digital and we have a separate uh blu-ray player and all that stuff which i don't even use blu-rays anyways it'd only be for like theo's like kitty shit so at that point i was like yeah i'm gonna just get the all digital so i bought the all digital uh i got i I waited a couple days i get a notice there's a delay uh Mm -hmm. for the shipment so i'm like ah whatever really the only thing that matters is that i have it now at this point and then they let me know like later that it's going to show up on monday so by the time you get this recording amc should have a console assuming i don't it doesn't show up in in an empty box like how other people have said (laughs) Uh, so yeah this is a big one i'm excited uh you know, I was really looking forward to playing Final Fantasy VII Remake as I got the console, but uh, as I looked it up, I saw that the PS5 upgrade won't release until, what was it, Intergrade, whatever that DLC is, comes out, and that's going to be on June 10th. So we do have about, you know, about like three weeks until that happens, um, close to a month. So I'll probably be playing like old games until then. If anything, I can put down, I can put down fire emblem without worrying about um having to rush through and if anything if i still have times i'll probably fire up hades and start playing that until um you know until the ps5 version of uh resident evil is good resident evil uh final fantasy 7 is good good to go so yeah um i'm excited i can't wait the thing i'm most looking forward to is that controller i just want to see you know i'm like a sucker for what was it like with the joy the joy con when they're like this is going to be hd like rumble features you could really like count the the number of ice cubes <laughs> by holding a joy con like I'm, I'm a sucker for all that i enjoy the that little feedback as as people will probably say it's all gimmicky i enjoy the gimmicks and so yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing like what the haptic feedback and all that good stuff like feels like from the uh the dual sense controller so you know i can't wait but we got we got a lot of content this this week, Adub, because we have two weeks of news. So let's just get right into it. Topic, topic of, the, of week. the week. Top topic, topic, topic of, of the week. What you got, Adub? What do I got? Well, I guess I'll lead off with some heat. Uh, Housemark. <laughs> <laughs> Returnal. <laughs> yeah, what's going on is that they've heard the fans' feedback. As you guys know, Returnal, it's a fairly difficult game roguelike you know you die you go right back to the beginning doesn't matter how far you are unless you're in the second half of the game and then you go back to the beginning of the second half basically you're never going to go further back than half the game 
games. But yeah, people weren't liking that. Runs in the game, they take an hour or two. That's too much time. What if I got to go to the gym? What if the laundry's on? I got to wash these dishes. I need a break. So people can't can't throw the console in rest mode. They have situations where they share their console with their wives. They share their consoles with their siblings. People are going to be going in and out of the console all day. They want to do other things. They want to get on Netflix. They want to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They got things on their minds, AMC. What is Housemark going to do about it, AMC? Well, I'm going to tell you what they're going to do about it. They are looking into it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, specifically, Housemark is trying to address the needs of, of certain certain players and certain potential customers to have some kind of a save feature that will allow them to suspend their, suspend their game mid-run without having to rely on the console's rest mode so that they can go and do other things and actually just put Returnal completely to the side in order to play it. However, they recently made a statement explaining that it's not as simple as people think it is. Uh, specifically, coming from IGN, Cat Bailey reporting, Housemark says, it's heard the feedback from fans, but that implementing a safe feature is easier said than done. We understand that there are some systems in place that are currently a hindering factor, Housemark marketing director Mikhail Havari told Axios. Uh, these comments dampen hopes of a solution that would enable players to quit without fear of losing their progress, while other roguelikes like Hades include a quick save solution that retains the tension of permadeath, it's clearly not so easy to implement such a feature in Returnal. Uh, piggybacking on these comments, uh, what, one of the developers from Spelunky, Derek Yu, spoke to Vice Games and said, I often see players exclaim how easy it is to add something, especially if other games have it. But every team in game has different priorities and nothing is really as trivial as it seems from the outside. So these remarks sort of corroborate and reinforce what we were saying in the troll of the week from the last show, where it's like you have all these super talented development minds solving all of the game's problems on message boards. <laughs> but it's like none of you have contributed to the development and creation of this game. So you don't know what's going on in the game that may prevent such a feature from being implemented. And let's just look at it this way. If it was as simple as everyone thinks it is, if it was just so easy and straightforward, they would have done it already or it would have already been there. But they designed this game intentionally. They have systems that a safe feature would kind of contradict or rub up against. This is their words, not ours. So let them figure it out. And if they can't figure it out, then it's just not the game for you. And you're just going to have to move on. But it doesn't take away from how great the game is. It also, you know, it doesn't. I'm just trying to figure out how people can't find an hour or two to play a game for a single run when these are the same people who routinely put down Assassin's Creed's and Persona 5's and Fallout's and Elder Scrolls and then routinely play Dark Souls multiple times a year and all this kind of stuff where they're playing these massive games with all this, all this time that's necessary to get through them, yet you get this short game <laughs> and people just can't find the time to get through that. So I don't know. AMC, how do you feel about this situation? Yeah. I mean, it, <clears throat> it's, 
an, an ongoing conflict between developers and gamers, which is this thing that there's this easy fix that I have come up with, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure why you have not implemented this yet. We're literally telling you what you should do. It should be that easy to now translate that like that from mind to paper. Yeah. Um, they act like it's that easy. But um, yeah, as you said, there's a lot of different, sort of complicated um, like a systems interacting with one another under the hood of the game. And then on top of that, like I've like they don't say this, but they also want to maintain the integrity of the game. They don't want to just, all right, we're just going to put out saves wherever you want. And then the game is no longer the same product that we intended it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot that goes into those situations. And it's not just about making a certain segment of the community happy. It's, it's coming up with a solution that makes everybody happy because they're trying to be diplomatic about the situation. And so typically, Diplomacy is a lot harder than just a black and white solution. Uh, so yeah, um, I, I totally get what's going on. I'm glad that other developers have come to their defense, especially other roguelike developers who can really understand the situation and not just another developer, but somebody mm-hmm. who actually has know-how. So I totally get it. I always thought the whole save thing was just kind of some bullshit that like people just keep going back to as an excuse for why they haven't beaten Returnal or why they won't go back to Returnal. As you pointed out, you beat it. You beat it in a roughly, what, like 20-something hours? That's tight 24, a solid day spent yeah. over the course of a week. So that's not an exceptionally long video game. As you said, people can find hours here and there to play video games. So the reason why with this game, it's suddenly so important. Like the only things that like I've seen that I could see that people... Have, you know, could worry some people. And it seems like Mark has been on top of it was like, if they put out an update, like, oh, um, this may screw up your your run or whatever. So make sure you do this, this, and this uh, before updating the game. Um, and so they seem to have been on top of those certain issues. But yeah, um, this whole save thing, it's it's kind of, I felt like it's, it's something that they're trying to do to make the non-roguelike initiated happy. And... I feel like they should just be focusing on their their core audience, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, troll. There's a troll of the article who's saying <laughs> it's stupid design choice, foolishly missing out on millions. Millions. <laughs> it's like uh, I believe. Oh, I don't think we did cover. It's been two weeks. It's hard for me to keep up over that span of time. But yeah, there was a release from Housemark where they're saying they were very thankful to Sony for taking on such a risky project as Returnal in order for them to make the game that they wanted to make. So it's pretty clear that whatever money that they would have missed out on with whatever design choices they implemented, they definitely considered that beforehand. Uh, There was an additional release around the same time as, as this one where Housemark was saying that they didn't even find out the game was going to be $70 until the entire world found out. That was a decision that Sony made. They didn't inform anybody. They just announced it. And Housemark was like, oh, oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, it's luckily it seems that that decision worked out because Housemark has been able to expand their operations. Their team is up to about 85 staff members now. And yeah, man. So it looks like Returnal is being at least somewhat successful for them. They were definitely in dire straits for a good moment where they were about to make a battle royale game to try to, you know, 
do something more popular in order to get some some financing going in the company. But it looks like Returnal may have been the booster shot they needed to continue doing things the way they want to do them. Personally, Returnal is outstanding just the way it is. If they decide to add a save feature, then hey, they decide to add a save feature. But if they don't, it doesn't take away from the game. It doesn't make it any more challenging. It doesn't make it take any any longer to be. If you set aside the time, if you spend whatever's necessary to get good at the game, like you do every other game, and you just play it, I'm sure you'll discover that not only can it be beat, but you can enjoy it in whatever increment of time you have available. Yeah, and if anything, like what what we're saying, it's um, so Sony had to gamble with like the price of the game. But what I love about it is they're gambling on not only the game but on the core audience. Because you think about it, like with a higher price tag, even at like seventy is going to be standard at some point. With the higher price tag, you don't have to sell as many copies. And so you figure the people who love this game or are going to go out and they're going to pay $70 for it, if the game were, say, cheaper, then now you're looking for a broader audience that might be people who aren't into roguelikes and things along those lines, and you have mm-hmm. to find a way to pull those people in. But now with a $70 price tag, you can focus on a core group of people. Hopefully you'll get some people outside of that ring. But as long as the core audience shows up, you'll get a nice enough return to justify developing that game and then possibly doing a sequel or more games from Housemark. And now that you have a core audience that's large enough to support a game like this, you can keep making games like this and you don't have to worry about what all the other people are saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. Um, All right. You want me to go with the next topic of the week? Topic of the week? Yes, indeed, sir. All right. Well, this is possible troll worthy, but let's see what you think, A-Dub. We learned that. So this is a story that's evolved over the past two weeks, and it ends with a new game announcement. So we'll start with where we began, and that is Ubisoft A-Dub is going free to play. (laughs) So this was in, um, this was in their earnings call. This coming from Ubisoft CFO quote in line with the evolution of our high quality lineup that is increasingly diverse. We're moving on from our prior commitment regarding releasing three to four premium triple A's per year. We are building high end free to play games to be trending towards triple a ambition over the long term so this was the first release and um people ran with this they're what ubisoft's only putting out uh free-to-play games from here on out uh this has angered me so much this could have been troll of the week but luckily ubisoft heard all the reaction and they released a second statement that that being our intention is to deliver a diverse lineup of games that players will love across all platforms. We are excited to be investing more in free-to-play experiences. However, we want to clarify that this does not mean to reduce our AAA offerings. Uh, and then they went on to say that they still plan on releasing um, was it Skull and Bones, whenever that game is going to come out, and some other games. Uh, I believe there's a Rainbow Six uh, game coming out and some other ones anyway so yeah they said we're, we're still putting out triple a games we're just not going to put out three to four of like our annualized releases uh every year um so there's going to be a slight change up and so on the heels of that they also announced a dub um 
that they're going to be putting out a new free-to-play division game. So developed by the original Tom Clancy studio, Red Storm Entertainment, the division Heartland will be standalone from the main division series. Its planned release will be on PlayStation, Xbox, and PC in the 2021 to 2022 window. So with that, A-Dub, what do you think about the idea of, one, Ubisoft going free-to-play, but then that the possible impact of putting out a free-to-play division Heartland game. Uh, Insofar as them going free-to-play, you know, you can only do what the market dictates. So it seems that people are moving more toward the free-to-play model where there are in-game transactions, where you're getting your revenue from the microtransactions over a longer period of time rather than getting it at the register and giving people shit to unlock for free. So, you know, that's, that's market data. So it doesn't, it doesn't appeal to my personal taste, but at the same token, it's the division. I deeply love the division too. So I'm hoping that this standalone free to play iteration doesn't do anything to, you know, interrupt any plans for a division three, which is what I'm really hoping for at the same token being division. I'm going to be playing this in order to see if it's something that I could play long-term, something that I'll enjoy. And if I like it, I'll probably buy some stuff in the game to help support it. As far as its impact, this is going to put the division in more people's hands, which is going to generate more than likely more positive opinions about the franchise. It will also generate more negative opinions about the franchise, but nobody really cares about those because they tend to be over-exaggerated and unnecessary. there's 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 positive opinions there's constructive criticism and then there's trolling (laughs) that's that's the hierarchy of comments on the internet but yeah it's if it ends up being successful for ubisoft then i can see this precipitating the other other developers within the industry who will also embrace the free-to-play model. Um, Let's keep in mind, when we were on message boards last year, when games like Overwatch and Street Fighter V were coming out, the remarks tended to center on the idea that these games should have been (laughs) (laughs) free-to-play. So now we're getting free-to-play games. I don't want to see nobody complaining. This is what you said you want. This is what you get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think about destiny going free to play and you know just the idea like this is one uh i think it's massive they're gonna be working on a star wars game so they're busy working on that but then on top of it uh there is there they they did say that the division two new content is still on the way so they clearly have multiple studios working on these games um but yeah, the idea that Destiny went free to play and, you know, with, with sequels, there's this idea that there's got to be a huge step up. And with these games that are like these MMO experiences, um, you kind of, you want them to be able to last an entire generation and just be able to build upon the initial foundation of the game and just be able to add to it. Like we've seen this with GTA, we've seen this with Red Dead, we saw this with Destiny. And now we're going to probably see this now with Division, with this um, this offshoot of a free-to-play version. Uh, they now have a free-to-play version that they can just continue to add on to. Um, and that means, assuming that this is successful, they could focus on this while later putting out maybe like a more mainline 
division game with uh, that's more focused on story content as opposed to, you know, just gameplay mechanics. Um, so yeah, we'll see how this does, but I actually kind of like the idea of it because if they were to put out, like I remember when, uh, what was it? Uh, Warlords of New York, when that came out, there are like people saying that this basically was supposed to be division three, but they couldn't justify it as a new game. So they just released it as a big expansion. And so you see that with the free to play model, they could just continue to do something more along those lines, as opposed to putting out a second game for another $60. That might not be a huge step up um, from the predecessor. So it kind of does make sense with the way things are going, the way games are going in this free to play in this free to play multiplayer model to go this route as opposed to continuing to follow up with, um, you know, uh, more additions in the franchise. Man, I may need to run around in Division Two for a while instead of playing Returnal. Oh yeah, that's uh that might be the game that I play a dub until I get that upgrade for Final Fantasy VII remake. Let me know, man. I, I'm acclimated to it. That PS5 performance patch makes that game sing. So it'll be nice getting back in there with the homie. Just ransacking. I'm trying to take care of all the, the base game content before I start the Warlords in New York expansion. I believe it's pretty cheap if you wanted to get that as well. So, yeah. Yeah, it's heavily discounted at this point. But let's get right into the next topic of the week Top topic of the week Trade we off. got a we got a some some peripheral news mm. just a little little quick hit little something mm. something for the folks out there who want to spice up their playstation 5 experience uh sony announcing that the black and red ps5 DualSense controllers are coming along what so a lot of people, when the PlayStation 5 was revealed, one of the major talking points, other than its robust size, other than its resemblance to an air filter, other than its resemblance to a router, other, oh wait, there is no other, because the whiteness of it was the focal point of a lot of discussion. People were not too hot on the two-tone design. Oh, it's gonna get dirty. Oh, it looks weird. Oh, it's gonna clash with my IKEA entertainment center. So Sony's kind of taking those steps to help people get the customized experience that they're looking for. You're gonna get your all black DualSense controller. You're also going to get your cosmic red DualSense controller. Each of these are gonna be coming out on June 11th, and you can pre-order them on Amazon or through PlayStation Direct. There's going to be a slight difference in the price, the black controller being $69.99, and the Cosmic Red being $74.99. It's not clear why there's a difference in the price. In the UK, the controllers are showing up a week later on June 18th. Uh, In discussing the colors of the controller, uh, let's see. There was a designer by the name of Leo Cardoso who says they designed the colors around the theme of Galaxy as it felt like a natural progression from the original PlayStation 5 and accessory designs. Another designer by the name of Satoshi Aoyagi says the new controllers feature a subtle blue hue that produces unique shades of red and black. A blue hue is also present in the original DualSense Wireless controller color. So all three colors complement each other 
nicely. Just to verify this, I went and took a closer look at my DualSense controller, and I can say that if you look deep into the white, you can see a subtle sheen of blue in there. So that's a little bit interesting. I'm in no rush to get a second controller. If I was, I would get that all black joint. AMC, are you going to be getting another controller for you and Marissa girlfriend gaming? Yeah, it's definitely a given. Um, I will definitely be getting a second controller. Probably not right with the purchase of the game. It'll, If anything, it'll be a game that I buy where it's like, all right, well, now we need two controllers and then we'll hop, we'll go out and buy one. If anything, I want, because of this, I want to delay it just in case there are some other cool custom controllers coming out. I mean, I love that. Um, what was that? That Spider-Man red and white that came out with that, yeah, with that console. That was kind of sexy. That shit was hot. Um, but I mean, these two are already pretty, pretty sick. I'm, I'm loving like the, uh, the Miles Morales effect they got going on with that red and black. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I actually last generation I didn't buy any custom controllers. Uh, I had the just regular, regular black ass controllers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it'll be nice to uh, get a different color um, as opposed to just having two white controllers. Maybe having a different color this time around. So yeah, um, I don't be getting a second one. It's just a matter of when and then what's available when that time comes. I definitely miss the the color coding of the buttons and all the DualSense controllers now, the buttons are all the same color. But um, with the Cosmic Red, of course, the buttons are red. With the black controller, the buttons are black. So that's kind of hot. I do I do enjoy that on the black controller. Gray is my favorite color. So it's got the, the, the symbols on the buttons in the D-pad are gray. So that's kind of dope. What I want to see Sony do with their controllers is, you know, if you're online and you're looking at these, you'll see that the white parts of the DualSense are the portions of the con- of the controllers whose colors were changed. So the black controller is all black. The Cosmic Red controller, the white part is now red. I want to see Sony do something about the black part of the controller so that that can be a different color as well as those white parts because um one place where xbox definitely has sony b is with just the not just the color variety of the controllers but the overall color combinations insofar as the parts of the controller like there's one xbox series x controller i'm really enamored with where like the plate is white but the the sticks and the balls that the sticks are on are teal there's like teal underneath the controller and then the shoulder buttons and that that housing plate are gray and that's just a gorgeous controller to me Mm. Uh, i think if sony did something where they changed the black part they could do way more inventive color schemes like they could oh man they they had a cream sickle you just had that that black part be orange with that white oh my lord that would be sexy as hell you know make that shit teal make it pink (laughs) (laughs) you can do anything I, i feel there there's a lot more there's a lot more opportunity with pairing the white parts with different colors than pairing the black parts so we'll see ultimately the main thing that i and many other consumers want is the original playstation theme controller dual sense that would be hot with that gray and the black sticks and the colored buttons and the and the multicolored playstation symbol yes oh that would be everything 
But let's get into our next topic of the week. Top topic of, of the, the week. Week. Um, let's continue the handoff. I got this one. Uh, I'll take it right here with we got an update from Yakuza and Judgment A Dub. So this is coming by way of IGN, Ryu Ga Gotoku Studios has officially announced Lost Judgment, a sequel to its action mystery 2018 title, Judgment. Um, continuing on, in an interview with IGN ahead of today's reveal, Yakuza creator Toshiro Nagasho, Nagashi and producer Kazuki Hosokawa Oh, man, confirmed that Judgment will this. be Ryu Ga Gotoku's <laughs> action series <laughs> pillar, while Yakuza evolves into a turn-based RPG after the success of Yakuza Like a Dragon. So, mm. once again, if you want to go for your more traditional Yakuza action experiences, you need to hop over to Judgment, get lost Judgment. And if you love that Yakuza Like a Dragon turn-based experience, we'll look no further because now Yakuza games will be turn-based moving forward. Um, How yeah, do this, you feel? Oh, man. I mean, for me personally, I've always loved triple, um, triple A. Uh, turn-based games. Persona was the one that where I was like, oh, this is what a current gen, a new, a modern turn-based experience should be, could be. And hopefully will always be moving forward because they just did everything right. They took it to that next level. I know like there was a period where, you know, it was kind of like, I'm not sure how they can really modernize turn base to compete with uh, the action RPGs of the world. And then there was some success here and there. And then I felt like persona was the big one persona five, where it just hit a broader audience. The people who already love that series, love that game. And then the people who hopped in were like, damn, this game is fun. And not only is it fun, I am enjoying this turn-based combat. Um, and we've seen it with other games where they've really stepped it up and seeing that Yakuza like a dragon clearly had success. They were like, well, let's just ride this wave and see if people are really enjoying this and this might be a way to also bring in some people into the yakuza franchise that normally wouldn't have been around for this and so i think it's a great move i think it's a great acknowledgement um all of my favorite experiences of the modern generation have been turn-based whether it's been octopath traveler as i mentioned with persona um and yeah now playing fire emblem uh this, that being more tactical turn-based, but still turn-based nonetheless. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying that more developers are seeing the, the merits of this gameplay style and not only are going to hop into it, but also maybe set an example for other developers to possibly look at, even thinking of spinoffs of current games like, you know, like Fallout or something along those lines and giving us that tactical turn-based or just a turn-based experience. So I, I, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that it will create ripples and that will then affect the rest of the industry and in creating more great turn-based experiences. A-Dub, how do you feel about this? Uh, pretty cool. I've never seen a franchise turn into a different kind of game like that. I mean, granted, it's just a change of its of its combat system. And, you know, if you're a fan of the old school combat action, then you can go get Judgment. So they're still servicing you. But if you're a fan of Like a Dragon, you can get that turn base. You're going to expect that going forward in the mainline Yakuza franchise. So change is good. Maybe this is what they needed in order to take Yakuza to the next level. 
in either case, it was the success of Like a Dragon that led to this. So that means they are listening. People did, in fact, vote with their wallets. And mm. this is what you got. So I, I think it's awesome. It's always nice to see franchises growing and changing with their audiences and just with the risks that developers decide to take because they didn't need to make Like a Dragon the way that they did. But they did, and it was successful. So now you're going to get something that you like. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, that's, the crazy part about that is a developer took a risk and the community allowed it. That's usually yeah. not like a thing we can always say. Usually it's if there's any type of change, it's like, why Why is it Kratos jumping? Like, why are you doing this? Like, there's always a question of why, why does Cole you, have hair? Yeah, it's like, why are you changing it? But then if they do the same game, they're like, oh, there's paint, cookie cutter like game that they always put out blah 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 it's so, cash grab yeah it's, it's the same far cry game that they put out every year like you hear that shit so I, i'm glad that they took a chance and their community not only allowed them to do it but actually showed up showed out bought the new game and then you know gave them a little a little a little push forward for that momentum to then create you know some newer games of that great experience but adel we got a ton of news so let's just get right into the next topic of the week Top topic of the week. Since we got a lot, I'm going to hit them with the big one. Hmm. We're hearing from the head of PlayStation Studios. We're hearing from Herman Hulse. We're hearing about the future of the PlayStation 5 generation and what's to come. Specifically, Herman says that they have more than 25 PlayStation 5 games in development, half of which are new IPs. So yeah, this is coming from a story from Wired. 25 PlayStation games in development, half of them new IPs. Uh, we know that Guerrilla Games, Naughty Dog, Insomniac, Polly Pony Digital, Sony Santa Monica, they're all Poly working Pony. on... <laughs> Sony Pony. <laughs> Sony Pony Santa Monica. <laughs> Sony Pony Digital. <laughs> yeah, we know that they're working on games. we got Horizon Forbidden West, God of War Ragnarok. Gran Turismo 7, Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart coming soon. I imagine Spider-Man 2 is also being worked on in some capacity, if not, you know, ramping up development with Ratchet and Clank recently going gold topic of the week. Mm -hmm. um, we, we know about Kenna, Bridge of Spirits. We know Project Athe is coming. So there's a lot going on in the PlayStation ecosystem. It's nice to hear that they are going to continue to bring new ideas to the market because a lot of people were overly distraught about the news that Sony was focusing on their blockbuster titles, that they stood a better chance of merchandising and, and adapting to other mediums. Uh, I was always reminded of this simple question of where do you think the blockbusters come from? Like Ghost of Tsushima is a blockbuster. That's a new IP. Horizon Zero Dawn is a blockbuster. That's a new IP. Spider-Man is a blockbuster. Not entirely a new IP, but a new IP for Sony and Insomnia. So this stuff comes from somewhere. Last of Us, it was a new IP at one point. It's a sequel to a new IP. So this just reinforces the reality that hits don't just fall from the sky. This stuff is made, this stuff is cultivated, and it's turned into the quality experiences that we cherish for years to come. And yeah, man, it's nice to hear that Sony is just hard at work, giving us what we want, doing the same old things that we know 
their that are characteristic of them. This is why people buy their consoles in such great numbers in such short periods of time. We're buying into the promise of just the Sony ecosystem of new IPs and hit titles. AMC, how do you feel? Like, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to? Anything you want to see? Anything you might know? Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to, I mean, I'm looking forward to like the games that they've already announced. As far as like new IP, that is a part that excites me the most because when you obviously you have no idea what's coming, but it's also what route they could go and possible, possibly like what current studios that you imagine kind of similar to Gorilla and what you know them, what you knew them for versus what we now know them for, like a possibility that Naughty Dog or one of these other studios are working on something completely new is definitely an awesome pro- proposition. Um, my question to you was going to be, no, now that you played Sekiro, obviously you played Bloodborne, would you want, if they were to do a partnership with From Software, would you want to see a Bloodborne 2 or would you rather see a new IP from From Software? Always new IP. I'm always ready for new ideas. Like the beauty about the games that already exist is that they already exist. I can go and play Bloodborne anytime I want to and I need to because I have to finish that. I can go play Sekiro anytime I want to. It got some additional content that adds some some functionality like a boss rush mode, that kind of stuff. I can go play that anytime I want to. What I can't do anytime I want to is get my favorite developers to author new ideas. So whenever the opportunity for that arises, that's the choice that I'm going to make. You know, it, I would have been fine if Naughty Dog didn't make The Last of Us 2, not because I dislike the game. I absolutely loved it from front to back, but because they've made four Uncharted, five technically, if you count Lost Legacy, and they've also made The Last of Us, which on its own was a classic game. It really didn't need a sequel, but it got one and it was outstanding. Um, I, I really want to see them take on science fiction. I really want to see Rockstar do something other than GTA and Red Dead Redemption. I'm overjoyed that Bethesda is about to drop Starfield at some point. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Fable come out using the, what is that engine? The Forza engine. And seeing that as a new iteration, like granted, that's a that's an old I that's an old IP, but it's being reinvigorated and remade with new ideas. I'm glad to see Halo Infinite go the open world route, and I'm hoping that turns out well. I, I just want to see new stuff. I want to see different stuff. I'm in love with Returnal. I'm overjoyed that the the people who developed Dead Space are working on Project Calypso, which it looks to be a spiritual successor of the whole dead space vibe so yeah new ideas always welcome bring them up all right well let's get right into the next top actually don't we have some haters for this oh oh yes (laughs) (laughs) we almost got away yeah they almost got away (laughs) who's that in the cut (laughs) so yeah we got troll of the Yeah. Today's trolls are coming sideways at this splendid news. So I don't know what they could possibly have to say about Sony working on over two dozen new games. And, you know, we already got 
about half a dozen in the near term to look forward to. I mean, we just got Returnal, we're getting Ratchet, we got Horizon coming, Grand Turismo, God of War, Ken of Bridge of Spirits. Uh, I, I just, I'm running out of breath. But these trolls got this to say. First troll said Knack was considered a new IP. <laughs> Implying that just because Sony's working on new IPs, they're, they're all gonna be like Knack. <laughs> But it's also, if anything, the the argument is bad there because yeah, we saw the we saw Knack, we saw the Order. Those games came and went, but there were so many great exclusives that those games just get buried under all yeah. the great experiences. <laughs> and it's like you can't you can't make something new without taking a risk that it's going to be a dud. So yeah, we got Knack, and then eventually we got Bloodborne. And then eventually we got Gravity Rush 2. And then eventually we got Horizon Zero Dawn and God of War 2018, Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima. Ah, so ah, Last of Us 2. Ah. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> <laughs> Next troll says, are any of them so calm? If not, you guys can enjoy this whack console. Hashtag PC gang. <laughs> okay. <laughs> always that SOCOM, I, dude. <laughs> is, is there is there SOCOM on PC that I don't know about? <laughs> because in either case, you're not getting SOCOM. So yeah. you can stay on your wag-ass PC. Yeah. Next show says, this is fake news. Sony doesn't want to support new IPs. <laughs> so of course, that's building on the whole blockbuster idea. With Sony, we've already addressed this. Where do you think the blockbusters come from, sir? They don't just drop out of thin air. You don't get Horizon Zero Dawn by just focusing on things that you already have. You take risks, you make new ideas. Uh, people talk this trash about Sony all the time, and then they put out Returnal, and then they put out Ratchet, and then they put out Kennebridge Spirits, uh, <laughs> and then they put out Sackboy Adventure. Uh, so they're clearly taking risks. They're clearly supporting new IPs. The question is, are you supporting new IPs? Are you putting your money behind these products in order to signal to Sony, not only do you enjoy this particular product, but that you would like to see more products just like it? Because if you're not, then you're the fake news. <laughs> next, next show says, Xbox has 30 developer teams. Damn shame to see Sony try to trumpet that they have fewer games in the pipeline. All right. First of all, <laughs> yes, Microsoft has a lot of studios. Now, <laughs> most of those studios have been working on multi-platform titles. Most of those studios have only just started making whatever first-party Microsoft Studios titles they're going to make. Most of those studios aren't exactly big-name cultivated studios to begin with, so there's no guarantee they're going to make something that's comparable to anything Sony might make on the high end or even on the low end. So yeah, 30 developer teams, but they're also starting from scratch with Microsoft. The beauty of Sony and their stable of developers and all the games that they're, cut, they're putting together is that Sony builds their relationships based on exclusives. Every studio they've acquired, they've already had a working relationship of exclusives underneath that. They've already built that foundation of working together, collaborating and getting the most out of that partnership. 
then they get brought into the umbrella and just continue doing that in a more intimate manner. So while Microsoft definitely has a lot at their disposal, we ain't seen a lot of it. So what's really there? We've seen Halo. We've seen a cutscene for Hellblade 2. We've seen not much else. The Ascent, that's the most impressive looking thing that Microsoft has going for them. And that's something that I'm going to be supporting on day one. But, yeah, beyond, amazing. <laughs> yeah, but beyond that, we just, got a, we just got a bunch of potential and on paper promises. Like Until Microsoft starts showing stuff, it's kind of absurd to talk about their 30 developer teams because at the moment, all they have are 30 developer teams. Not to throw shade or diminish what's going on within each of those houses because that's a lot of great talent. And if Microsoft puts in the time and attention necessary to cultivate their ideas, get the most out of them, figure out your formula, they might get something out of it. But if it's just a matter of, okay, we own you now make game, <laughs> then, you know, it's, it stands a very good chance of a lot of those studios just making the same kind of content they always make, which kept them somewhat successful when they were doing multi-platform development, but now you're doing exclusive development and I like, it's also I, like so Microsoft got a lot to show and prove is all I'm saying. So let's not go, <laughs> let's not go celebrating what Microsoft has going on until they give us something to celebrate. Yeah. There's also too, it's like, let's not bring us down to their level where, we're arguing about hypothetical futures, like our our potential future is better than your potential future. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on paper, Microsoft has the the grandest future of all time, where they buy up the entire gaming industry and run it in house. But we know that that's not going to be the outcome. So there's going to be some shortfall in there. The question is how much and what that's made of. So let's just chill, give it some time. Unless you're this troll who says, just chew on this, PS5 owners. You'll pay $1,750 if you pay full price per game with Game Pass Ultimate. The cost would be $600 if someone was subscribed for five years to play all the new first party games, or $1,200 if subscribed for 10 years. Yeah. Okay, small problem there. You're not getting 25 PS5 games. <laughs> You're getting a whole bunch of Game Pass shit and a bunch of first-party Microsoft games, most of which was multi-platform stuff anyway that they just bought away from the customer base. If they're going to keep it exclusive, since it's on a case-by-case -case basis, and we don't even know what that means. So, yeah, your Game Pass Ultimate is probably fine for you. I prefer to deal with Sony, bringing me new quality content that I can't play anywhere else. If Microsoft ever brings me new quality content that I can't play anywhere else, I'm going to buy it on there because I'm not a fan of subscription services. I don't really care about the savings. I rather support the developers with the money that they deserve rather than trying to save a buck and rub it in somebody's face. Next troll says, got time to make games, but ain't got time to make more consoles for me to scout. Pathetic. <laughs> Boo-hoo. Why don't you go buy a Pokemon or something? Next troll says, 25 games, they'll go well with the 25 PS5s they currently have in production. <laughs> <laughs> AMC got one of them. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. uh, 25 Sony games. That's like 60 hours of gameplay for the small price of $1,750. Can't wait. 
that the same number as the other person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, people get real good at math when they want to talk shit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what is this? Each game is what two, two, two hours, two point four hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that's about. Jeez. Uh, First of all, there's no guarantee that you're going to want all 25 of the games. If Sony, by some stroke of genius or miracle of cosmic alignment, somehow produces 25 games that I want, just back to back to back to back to back to back to back, I will gladly spend $1,750 and I will send them another $250 just to round it out as a thank you. Get out of here. I'll be lucky if I see... To 25 games throughout the entire generation that I really want to spend full price on. So this is not a bad thing that you're talking about. Insofar as the 60 hours of gameplay, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. People probably trying to take a little dig at Returnal because it's not that long of a game, even though that took me 24 hours to complete. So that's one. You give me another one of those, there's 48 hours. You give me another one of those, I'm already beyond 60 and for just a couple hundred bucks. I'm not tripping. Next troll. Meanwhile, Microsoft is working on 25 developer studio purchases who may or may not actually produce a game. <laughs> uh, I mean, sometimes sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. <laughs> it could be vaporware. It could be vaporware. I've heard, I've heard that word get tossed around. But who knows? I mean, Microsoft is situating themselves around Game Pass. They're buying all these developers so that they own all these games to get on their service, to get more customers, so that they become the Netflix of gaming. It's a huge gamble because the audience for Netflix is vastly dissimilar from, from the audience for video games. Insofar as the audience for video games is always trying to pinch a penny is never trying to pay for anything and tends to be overly negative about stuff. So, yeah, I don't see that going well. And if they happen to purchase more studios, they're going to make more games. It's kind of ridiculous to assume they aren't. It's just a matter of what they produce. But we've been over this ad nauseum, and I'm getting nauseous. Next show says, 25 games is a joke compared to the thousands that are going to die because of no backwards compatibility. No point making games, but not supporting game preservation. Yeah. So this is loot boxes. This is microtransactions. This is censorship. This is blockbuster games. This is, this is every little hot button, hot topic that comes along that people want to talk about instead of the subject at hand. Now it's all about game preservation. Did nobody care about that shit in the past two, three generations? Now suddenly it's a big deal. PS5, backward compatible PS4 games. You got PS Now if you want to play older PS games. And you also have your old consoles if you want to play your old physical games. You can always look for a retro gaming store. It's like, if you care that much about those thousands of games, why are you over here? talking about the future when you should be somewhere dwelling in the past. Next show says, wow, that's a lot of games for a console that doesn't exist. Maybe in your house, pal, not in our houses. <laughs> uh, next show says, oh, wow, that's a lot of eights. 
AC, how do you feel about that one? I mean, Returnal was an eight, and Returnal looks absolutely amazing every time I check that game out. So an eight isn't that bad anymore, buddy. Yeah, a lot of my favorite games were eights. Some of my favorite games are lower than eight. Some of my favorite games are higher than eight. If Sony can produce 25 solid eights, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a big deal. That's huge. But we know the Sony that we're dealing with, God of War, Horizon. Spider-Man, The Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima. Such highly rated games, such quality content. I feel like I feel like aerating a glass of wine as I speak of Sony first party offerings is just so classy and prestigious. So if if they get an average of eight or higher on 25 games, that would make Sony probably one of the greatest publishers of all time. Lashell says, I'll wait for them to come to Game Pass. Good luck with that, buddy. So Sony's going third party now. Yeah. Nintendo and Sony going third party. Microsoft's going to buy both of them. (laughs) Get your your Nintendo Xbox. Get your Sony Xbox. Sony box. (laughs) It's just going to be game box. Yeah. Generic Uh, ass. Yeah. Generic ass, no innovation, nobody making money. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh, is that man. is that the last troll I did? That is the last troll AFC. Oh man, they they are definitely on some bullshit today, aren't they always? Yeah. All right, I got a quick hit a dub. Um, let's see. This is a personal favorite of mine. Is making a return. Zombies ate my neighbors. Is getting a re release a dub. Yes, it is. Uh, Lucasfilm Games. This is why the story is important. Is resurrecting zombies ate my neighbors and sequel Ghoul Patrol. PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Nintendo Switch. They will arrive on June 29th. The re-release is being worked on by retro specialist Dutemo Detemu. Yeah, developers behind Streets of Rage 4, and it will be sold for $14.99. With interest. With interest. Uh, the re-release will include a modern save system. Oh, it looks Uh-oh. like they're, they're taking note. It looks like yeah, they're getting, somebody's... They're getting... And getting out ahead of it. <laughs> yeah, somebody's listening to their community. Uh, somebody, somebody values my time. Yeah, uh, I can. Yeah, I can now have a family and play Zombies Hate My Neighbors. Let's see, museum. As opposed kids. to just playing Zombies Hate My Neighbors because families are overrated. <laughs> that was that was the only option. Uh, museum features, which will include. Um, uh, inter- an interview, a video interview with the, one of the original developers of Zombies, and also uh, numerous galleries and game art. Uh, there will also be a soundtrack, two-player mode with local co-op, and achievements for y'all suckers who were missing them the first time around on that Super NES. Mm. So, um, this is pretty cool. Zombies Ate My Neighbors on its way back. Always a great game. L- absolutely loved it when I was a kid. Never beat it, so that could just be put right on the list with uh, Toe Jam and Earl as games that I played a shit ton of but never beat. Uh, also, what's kind of cool about this, this is being brought back by Lucasfilm Games. This is important because we knew that they were coming back with the announcement of Star Wars going um, multi-platform. Um, but it seems like they're also just looking into that like library of games and seeing what they can bring back. And that's what's great about um, bringing back an old developer is that they have all these, all this IP that they've just been sitting on that people have missed out on 
as Ada mentioned in one of the previous stories, there's all these gaming historians who want to hold on to things that were of the past. And so, yeah, um, we're seeing that Lucasfilm Games is looking at their catalog and, and hey, let's, let's, let's throw them bone here. Let's give them Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Oh, not just Zombies Ate My Neighbors. We'll give them the sequel as well in one perfect package. So yeah, uh, it's cool to see that they're that they're hard at work trying to come up with other experiences outside of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and you know some of their bigger flagship titles. It's things like this that always give me the itch to probably switch careers at some point because when they bring back old developers or they start looking through old catalogs, it's like, man, if I was there, I'm sure I could help them properly modernize these properties and get them hooked up with with the right kind of talent and you know, don't don't be surprised if you see your boy showing up in the credits mm, yeah definitely i mean we see checks we got the uh that new ninja turtles game which looks absolutely amazing which mm. is uh based off of like the the look and feel of the uh the retro arcadey and super nes versions of those turtles games so it's it's not quite at the point of where I'll say renaissance, but we are nearing a second golden age of those retro titles, especially those beat-em-ups. Arcade beat-em-ups. Yeah, uh, uh, coming back. And yeah, Zombies Ain't My Neighbors, not a retro beat-em-up, but a top-down shooter. Um, yeah, akin to like Smash TV and all those games that we love. And so yeah, uh, hopefully we'll see more of these brought back because I miss my, my water gun, my super soaker gun. And if I can get yes. that. You know, I love that. Yes. What you got? You got any more stories, Adev? Our next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. For some reason, Monster Hunter World is still selling. We just got news that Monster Hunter World has officially passed 17 million sales worldwide. Damn. Yeah, this is alongside the news that the sequel Monster Hunter Rise on the Nintendo Switch it's hit 5 million itself, or it's getting close to it. So yeah, man, Monster Hunter is finally crossed over into the mainstream is a is a blockbuster franchise. Mm-hmm. So good luck. <laughs> good luck getting Capcom to stop making Monster Hunters. So yeah. if if you don't like a game, if you want it to go away, you want the, the you want the publisher to not focus on its money makers, stop going your money at it. But if they're gonna make good games that people want then don't get mad if they're going to keep making good games that people will want. You got to Capcom. Win. Capcom keeps coming with the hits between Monster Hunter, uh, Resident Evil Village, apparently doing pretty well. I, I believe I saw it was like three million shipped. So we'll see how many sell. Um, and then obviously the God of Wars, not God of Wars, the uh, Devil May Cries and games of those elk. Um, yeah, Capcom just finding ways to like dip into their franchises and keep churning out good content that still feels fresh for franchises that have been around for a long ass time. So it's, it's absolutely awesome what they're doing right now. I'd like to see them bring out some heavy science fiction. That's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're just like, I feel like that's like your big thing is like, come on, like it can't just be Bethesda that's working on science fiction right now. Like there's gotta be some of the developers out there. <laughs> yeah, like it, it was great when Cyberpunk came around. It's great that Fallout exists and that Starfield is being created. Um, it's awesome that Returnal came out. It was great when Dead Space was around. There's a lot of good sci-fi. I'd like to see Rockstar and Naughty Dog take on sci-fi. I'd like to see 
I'd like to see Sucker Punch go back to science fiction at some point, but I know Ghost of Tsushima 2 is probably next on the slate. Uh, you know, Spider-Man 2 and Ratchet are definitely science fiction. You know, one obviously far more than the other, so I'll be dipping into both. Yeah, man, it's we need more sci-fi, especially with the raw horsepower and resources and Unreal 5. We have the capability to make those just skyscraping sky-filled cityscapes that are just the hallmark of the sci-fi genre. Like, we can materialize these futuristic citadels. Like, we were doing it with Mass Effect, even with that limited hardware with the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, and still make these unbelievable star-hopping adventures, these space operas. We need more of that. Like, we, we've done the fantasy thing to death. I mean, it was just heavy fantasy. It was a lot of contemporary settings all last gen. And then toward the end, we really started to lean into the sci-fi. We need more science fiction. Please. I, I need this. <laughs> uh, you got any more stories? I got no more stories. How about yourself? Oh, shit. Well, let's just do some quick hits. Yes, sir. Uh, according to Insomniac, there's nothing stopping them from making Sunset Overdrive 2 for PlayStation. Uh, specifically, they own the IP. Uh, right now, they're doing wonderful things with Spider-Man and Ratchet and & Clank, and they have a lot more ideas on their slate. But realistically, logistically, if they wanted to, they could make a Sunset Overdrive 2. This is piggybacking off another piece of news where it looked like Sony recently registered a trademark for Sunset Overdrive, so maybe there's something to look forward to there. Uh, another quick hit. NXL Entertainment is hinting at a first-person RPG for Xbox. So of those 30 development studios and the various games that are apparently in production, this would seem to be one of them. So I believe it was probably a job listing or let's see. The studio behind Wasteland 3 and Torment, Tides of Numenera, dropped a hint that they're making this game. They say, what kind of game should I play next? It then flashed a number of genres, including all of them, and Goose pulled new plus FPS plus RPG. NXL Entertainment wrote in response, seemingly confirming reports from earlier this year it was making a first-person role-playing game. Personally, this is both exciting and kind of eh, because it's RPG, it's going to be something different, and it's finally going to be something made for the Xbox ecosystem at the same token, it's first person. So it's gonna have to be pretty special if it's going to move me. Next quick hit. Uh, there were some updates to the Xbox Series X, some interesting stuff going on. The big portion of this is that quick resume. It's gotten a little quicker, gotten a little more reliable. So that's awesome. Let me see if I can get a blurb. See, the full update notes can be found over on Xbox Newswire. Uh, it explains that quicker zoom will benefit from improved reliability and faster load times with the latest patch. If you've ever heard me talk about quicker zoom in the past, you'll know that not only is the Xbox hardware in itself remarkably swift, uh, but quicker zoom just helps to eliminate the time that it takes for you to go from wanting to play a game to actually playing it. It's a 
amazing feature that I hope catches on and makes its way into the other console makers' arsenals at some point. But uh, if Microsoft never did anything to it for the remainder of this generation, it still would have been one of the greatest innovations of this generation. However, they're making it more reliable and faster. So that's awesome. On top of the update, we also got some cosmetic stuff in the form of themes and backgrounds. Uh, we got a dynamic theme known as moats, where it's just balls of light hanging in the sky. Uh, I recently changed up my theme. I went with the ribbons because I just, I like that geometric yet somewhat concentric style. You know, look those words up if you don't know what they mean. But one of the big additions to the themes is one called the original. So what this does is it puts back the glowing green orb that was made famous by the original Xbox back in 2001. So if you if you got your Duke controller, <laughs> you can get back into the game. You could feel like you could feel like the good old days back when A Dub and DJ Trues were chilling in the Hollywood Hills playing. Damn, what was that game? Playing conflict, <laughs> going into <laughs> going into Iraqi castles, hunting down Saddam, shooting him in the back with a shotgun while he's rolling out the castle. Oh, good times! Another quick hit. EA has confirmed that their four studios, EA Dice, Criterion, Dice LA, and EA Gothenburg, are all contributing to the development of a new Battlefield, which should be out sometime in Q4 2021. Another quick hit. <laughs> Sony is trying to get the community to brace for continued console shortages into the year 2022. Uh, even if they were able to get the parts that they needed in order to produce more units of the PlayStation 5, they still don't believe they'll be able to catch up to demand. So, you know, keep your stock alerts updated. Make sure you guys are staying hot on your mouse clicker fingers and doing your best to try to get these consoles because the beauty of that is the more people who get them, the less people who will need to get them. And, you know, if you haven't gotten yours yet, yours is coming. So hang tight, stay tough. Another quick hit. We got some Hades news, AMC. Apparently, apparently Hades has been rated for the PS4 by the Korean Rating Committee. Oh, is it coming? And with some additional news, it's it suggested that perhaps Take-Two will be the publisher of the PS4 version. So this will be the moment that A-Dub has been waiting for. Uh, I've wanted to get into Hades. My brother has it on his Switch that he got for his birthday last month. Uh, I, I messed around with it a little bit. I mean, of course, I wasn't in the ideal scenario, nor was I using my preferred controller. And while I was somewhat successful in getting a feel for the game, I definitely greatly admire the art style, but I wasn't really able to ascertain what I was getting myself into, what like upgrades and effects I was having. I wasn't really able to analyze and pick apart the game. So while I experienced some Hades, I really didn't gather much from my time with it. It was just nice to finally have it in my hands and see it moving under my control. So looking forward to this eventually hitting the PlayStation ecosystem. This will be a day one for me if this happens to be true. And yeah, those are all the quick hits. AMC, any parting words? Uh, no, I mean, we, we got the word from the CDC. They're saying that, you know, people, you get vaccinated, 
you can hang out <laughs> without, you can without take your mask off. <laughs> so hopefully this will get people to go out if they haven't already. I mean, I've gotten it. A dub's gotten it. I've gotten two now, and I can I can now say because I'm a couple of days removed that the the worst reaction I had was a sore arm. Um, oh, poor I, know, I know like some people have claimed to have been like bedridden <laughs> for like days <laughs> or whatever and that's definitely a possibility but i like everybody i know that's older than me has gotten it and has turned out absolutely fine people who are around my age i've heard um the extremes from bedridden for a couple days to didn't feel anything to just soreness so uh i am saying that if you are worried um maybe maybe start looking into getting over that fear because there's about like there's there's tens of millions of people that have gotten this shot and seem to be fine so and yeah, let's, let's keep let's keep let's keep this going <laughs> yeah i you got you got an easy ticket back to the way that you want things to be get these goddamn shots and let's all go back outside and argue in person instead of on the keyboard how about that oh man i'm so so excited. <laughs> well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is the Control Issues. Thank you. Sucker. Sucker.